it's my job as a writer to best convey that person's perspective, regardless of what I believe. And I believe they have the right to tell people what they believe. And my biggest value is freedom. I'm so open to everyone's different perspectives. I may not agree with them, but I think everyone has their right. I do like my ability to morph myself into these different positions, but I'm good at compartmentalizing. Uh, it's like, okay, I believe this, but I got to write in this character. It's kind of like actors, you know? yourself and tell us a little story about you. Yeah. So nice to meet you all uh, that are listening. My name is Dakota. Growing up, I'll just like briefly go into it. Um, I used to be like this little chubby fat kid, uh, super socially anxious. Um, did, grew up without a father. He chose to smoke crack instead of raising me. That caused all kinds of like insecurities and stuff growing up. Um, but like common theme throughout my life was like just doing uncomfortable things and like um, a lot of different personalities I had to put on to kind of adapt to different environments. And uh, long story short, I mean, at the age of 18, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to just be an electrician because uh, there's a program where you can just kind of graduate early. I'm going to learn a trade, make some money while I figure the things out, and then I'll go from there. Uh, it's actually started reading self-improvement stuff like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I kind of got that was my first book, an introduction to that world. And I just fell in love with it. And just always had this in the back of my my head, like, oh, like, I really want to do something where something where like, I have control over my own life. I'm very big on freedom. And uh, yeah, so I was working as an electrician. I was working 12, 14 hour days up in oil rigs in Canada. And I was just absolutely miserable. I was making great money. Uh, but I was just like, I, this is just unfulfilling work. And I was looking around me seeing all these people, they just look absolutely dead inside. Like they've been doing this for 40, 50 years. So I don't want to be that person. Um, so during that time, I was like, okay, I need to figure something out. So listen to podcasts, all that. Uh, Jordan Harbinger, he mentioned how he went to Vietnam. I was like, I want to go travel. Like, screw it. I got to find myself. And so I went there, absolutely fell in love with just traveling and the freedom of that. And I knew like, I, I need to make like this part of my life or like having that freedom a part of my life um so that's when i after that trip three months in asia i came back started working again but like way more intent of like saving money and like trying to figure out ways to have my money work for me found crypto in 2018 uh started investing heavily everyone thought i was freaking crazy uh, i didn't care i saw where i was going just kept investing uh actually turned out to be one of the best decisions in my life because uh, that gave me the freedom around two, three years later to uh, drop out of college, quit my job and kind of like pursue writing full on. Um, but originally, like, I mean, after uh, like two years of like investing in crypto and all that, I was like, screw this, I'm going to be a teacher, um, was going to college to be a, a high school English and psychology teacher. But yeah, I ended up dropping out because I was learning more from Twitter than I was in class it was it was actually crazy like i was paying thousands of dollars but the the people on twitter were teaching me more than anything else um 
And I mean, to begin with, like I was on Twitter because I was keeping up with crypto and I stumbled across a course and like, oh, grow your account and all of that stuff. And I, I took it and I just kind of stumbled across that section of Twitter from crypto. Um, and yeah, I just took it and ran with it, made a lot of mistakes along the way. Um, you actually, I, I studied you like religiously when I was uh, first starting out on the entrepreneurship game, like branding. I was doing web design, all of that stuff. And I absolutely loved your content. So it's it's kind of crazy how it kind of went full circle for mm. me. It, it's it's really surreal. But uh, yeah, lots of mistakes along the way and lots of learnings. Pretty uh, wild ride from, from profession to travel to college to Twitter, self-educated, and now creating a business for yourself. Lots of things to kind of uncover there. It, there seems to be like one pretty consistent theme, your willingness to say yes to just about anything and figuring it out later. Is that a pretty accurate description there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did a lot of uncomfortable things growing up. So I was forced into dance class. I was forced into all these other sports like jujitsu, all of that stuff. Um, and it was just like putting me in these positions where it's like, oh, I'm very uncomfortable. And at first I didn't want to do them, but I was forced into it. And I think that set my baseline for things just like oh like discomfort isn't that bad when you lean into it you kind of adapt get used to it and all of that um so i just yeah it, it i i do have a tendency to say yes to a lot of things just i mean for the story see where it goes uh to learn all of that jazz uh but yeah mm. you mentioned something about your dad if you don't mind i'd just like to come mm -hmm. back to that because it helps me to understand the person before we get into all the tactics uh, you said that your dad wasn't really around an absentee dad. Uh, he had an addiction problem. Um, is he still around? Is he in your life today? What is that like? Yeah, so it's, it's been an interesting relationship. So my mom gave my father an ultimatum when he had me and my brother. Uh, I was like, you either keep partying, doing drugs and all that, or you take care of your sons. Uh he didn't have a father growing up and he was very scared of like, Oh, I don't know, like if I can raise these kids. Uh, so he chose the alternate route. And I mean, he, he would come to visit sometimes like growing up, uh, he would get sober, come visit all of that, but then he would relapse. And then it was like a constant cycle. Uh, but to this day, it's like, I'm the father. And it's like, uh, I got to take care of him at certain points. Like I literally just bought a car off him cause he's in so much debt. Um, I, I actually lost my shit for the first time ever on him, just telling me his life straight. Um, but yeah, it's been kind of like a constant, I see him more as a friend, but he's in my life sometimes like for a few months and then like leave. And it's never, I've never seen him as a father as more of like a friend. And, uh, but I, I don't hold any resentment towards him. I'm actually very appreciative that, uh, it, it happened this way because I wasn't abused. I wasn't sexually assaulted or anything like that. Uh, I just didn't really have a father in my life. And I, I mean, sure, there's definitely disadvantages to that. But at the same time, I got to forge my own path. I wasn't like emotionally abused or anything like that. So I'm very appreciative of that. And I think it helped me mature at a young age and develop into the person who I am today. And I, I like myself today. And I mean, it's uh, I'm appreciative of it. So, yeah, I don't really see it as a negative. Like it definitely some hurdles I had to overcome, but th those challenges really helped me in a lot of ways down the line. When did you uh, find yourself? When did you discover your own inner confidence and strength? What age and did anything happen? Man, it was 
this was one of the biggest things I've, I've had to overcome. I, I used to be fat for contacts, like a little fat, not severely obese, but like a chubby chunker. Some people called me and I got made fun of for that. And it, when you're young, especially when you hear these narratives spun at you many times, other people tell me, you're, oh, you're fat or like what you're whatever you hear it enough times. And since you're so young, I mean, that's pretty much your only input and you play enough times and you start to believe it. You're like, oh, like, this is what I'm hearing. This must be true. And then you start to identify with how other people may see you or mean things they say. And then you, you start running that narrative in your head. And then over time, it's just your default narrative and you, you adopt that identity. So people call me fat um, and treated me kind of poorly in some ways because of how I looked or I was super socially anxious and all of that. So I just started telling myself all the time, it's like, I am socially anxious. I'm fat. I'm not good enough. All of that. So, I, I mean, I ran that for years, like probably 12 years or whatever. Um, I even like that caused me to start going to the gym, like wake up at 5.30 a.m. Because I was just sick of not liking myself and actually like hating myself in a lot of ways, not feeling good enough. So that drove me to the gym uh, at age 13. And I mean, I got, I lost the weight and I actually got like fairly muscular. And I mean, high school, age 16, I was known as the Jack kid. And everyone thought I was charismatic, like, all this stuff, but I didn't feel it inside because I was playing that narrative for all those years. So, I mean, you can change your exterior, but I mean, I didn't do any inner work. So I still had that, that narrative, like I'm not good enough. Um, like I, I'm kind of like worthless. I am socially anxious, all of that. And I felt like I was going to get found out at any moment. Um, so I carried that narrative from age, whatever, like 13, to age 22. And no matter what people told me, like, oh, you're so great at this, or you, you got this going on, I was like, I didn't believe it. Because I was so ingrained in that thinking where you're not good enough, you're this, you're that. And it wasn't until I read the book, I think it's six pillars or seven pillars of self-esteem by Nathan something. I read a part in there where it was something along the lines, like, don't identify with your, your thoughts. Like your thoughts are not reality. Your feelings are not reality. And I, I, some, it was the way he phrased it or something. That's when it kind of clicked for me. It's like, oh, like I'm running all these narratives. I have all these beliefs, but I never thought to actually challenge them. And it wasn't until I started challenging those beliefs that I was socially anxious, that I wasn't good enough, uh, that I was this or I was that. It wasn't until I started challenging that narrative that... I made those changes where so it was like, okay, I'm socially anxious. And then I'll be like, wait, 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 I recognize it. It's like, socially anxious? No, 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 no. I, I am not socially anxious. Maybe I'm experiencing feelings of social anxiety, but that does not mean I am this fixed way. So it wasn't until I started challenging those thoughts and recognizing them that that's when a lot of the inner work started. And that's when I, I started trying to reframe, I reframed these narratives. So instead of saying I'm socially anxious, whenever that would pop up, I'd be like, okay, what's the supporting evidence for that? Like maybe I've been shy in the past and all that, but like, let's look at, let's flip, flip the script. Like, okay, what about times I was confident? 
it's like, okay. I, I mean, I've had these stories in the past where I was confident in all that. It's like, oh, I mean, well, let's just reframe it. Like, maybe I'm feeling a bit nervous right now. But I mean, there's look in the past and there's times where I was very confident. It's like, oh, I, I'm a confident person. So it's it's kind of finding stuff in the past that is true. And then you pair it with a narrative and you start to adopt that identity. So first you got to recognize it and then um, challenge them, reframe, and then then it takes the rewiring your thinking. And that's super powerful. That was that was age 22, age 21, I found that book. And it definitely took some time. And I, I still struggle with it sometimes, but uh, I've gotten a lot better. I feel like uh, I'm slowly like becoming the person I want to become more and more. And uh, yeah, it's been a powerful tool for me, but it, it definitely wasn't an easy road. And uh, it took some time and some mm. struggle. Thanks for sharing that. Um... Uh, for the, our audience who might not know who you are, the few pieces of content that I've consumed from you, you pretty much say it as it is, and you're not too worried about filtering your thoughts. So it might seem like he's really vulnerable, but he's this way all the time, everybody. So I'm going to keep asking questions. Uh, I, I want to spend a minute here talking about this because I find what you're saying to be exception versus the norm. I have lots of friends in my community, people I coach and try to help it seems like they know what the problem is. They even know what the solution is, but for some reason, they just can't put it together. And they spend a lot of time sitting in the problem more so than taking action towards the solution. Here you are, uh, having grown up, maybe you were teased, and you didn't like the way you looked, and you transformed that. So you're the kind of guy who like, wakes up one morning, it seems like, who decides today's a new day, and I'm going to just change my life because I don't like the way it was. You go to the gym, you lose weight, you do your thing. And then at, uh, what did you say, like 22 you decide, you know what, my outside and my inside don't match up. You seek the book, you read the book, and you start to change the narrative almost instantly. What is it about you or how do you see the world in that you seek the information, the information presents itself, and you take immediate action? Because if we can unpack that, I think it's going to help a lot of people. Yeah, so honestly, I don't think I am. I don't think I take instant action. I've actually, like, I probably glossed over it too much, um, too fast, sorry. <laughs> um, but okay. yeah, like, I struggled with, being chubby for a long time before I took action. It wasn't until like, I just, I just felt so much pain. I just didn't take action. I didn't take action. I just, um, cause my mom was dating someone at the time, her boyfriend. And, uh, I think he might've suggested like, let's go to the gym and all that or something. Um, so I started going with him. He was a big influence on me. Um, but yeah, it definitely was an instant where it's like, Oh, I recognize the problem. It is definitely like a gradual. I felt that pain. Mm. And then also with the social anxiety stuff, I wasn't active. Like I actively like didn't know how to change myself. It wasn't like, oh, I got to read this book or whatever. It was like, I just knew I felt this pain. I was reading these books on like uh, body language and persuasion and, or whatever. And I just so happened to come across that book because of a recommendation from a YouTube video from a channel, Charisma on Command. I, I just did. One. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to try reading this book. And I, I mean, I've tried all these different solutions in the past, but yeah, it was, it was a lot of trial and error. And then I think some things just clicked because I just tried so much stuff. Well, not even tried. Like, I mean, I, I read a lot of stuff and um, yeah, it was definitely not an instant switch. And a lot of it too, um, it was baby steps. I mean, to overcome my social anxiety too, even before that book, I would I would, uh, I was too scared to really ask women out or whatever. So I would just make small talk to people at 
like a cashier desk and I'd just ask like, oh, hey, how's your day going? And then that was a small win for me. And then I would like continue to do that and force myself to do that. And then once that was my new baseline, it's like I've I've approached people, just random strangers. I remember an old man at the mall one day. I was just I literally just walked up to him like I was just sat next to him like, how's your day going? And I just had a nice conversation. So it was, you're just kind of pushing your boundaries each time. And I mean, it's definitely not a flick of the switch. At least it wasn't for me. It was it was just kind of like, OK, let's inch forward a little bit, lean into that discomfort. There's definitely a lot of discomfort you're going to have to lean into. Uh, but I, I think that's a that's a good sign if you're feeling discomfort, because, I mean, that's growth. I mean, you don't really grow without uh, kind of putting stress on your body. I relate it to the gym. You need to like break yourself down a little bit to grow, like come back, recoup and, and grow. Um, yeah, like I, I, there's some people that are just built different, maybe like David Goggins or people like that. But yeah, it's a, it's more of a gradual process and it's not, it's not sexy to say that you have to just, just keep pushing yourself and get uncomfortable. But, uh, that's, that was the experience for me, just feeling a lot of pain and then just, just, just trying different shit. Mm. Well, thanks for, um, correcting me and my assumption there and just keeping it real, real. Okay. I, I love that. Now I'm, I'm doing the math here. It says you, you went to college on your LinkedIn profile. It says you got your bachelor's degree, but it doesn't seem like you got your master's degree. How far into college did you make it? Yeah, I, I'm such a boomer with LinkedIn. I don't even know how to operate that. So that's definitely false. Um, I got two years in. So I was on my okay. second year, my first semester of second year of college. And the, the moment I knew I was going to drop out was when I was forced into a certain class uh, to get my my degree, to get credits. And I was in this class and the professor had these slides up. And one of the first slide I saw was... It was, it was introducing everyone to whatever, like blah, blah, blah. All right, class, we're going to go around and we're going to introduce ourselves as a weather system. And I want you to mime the weather system that you're feeling today. And at that moment, I was, I was, oh, okay, this is, <laughs> this is what college is. I'm no, I'm not into this. I mean, I was, I was getting an arts degree, but still, like, I think that's, that's not for me, at least. I, I don't sure. think that's, yeah, the, that was, that was kind of weird. But that was the moment you realized this is not it. I'm not yeah, doing this anymore. I realized, yeah. I was like, is this really what they're teaching people? And this is a, a class that isn't even relevant to what I'm trying to do. It's just, I think there's a place for college and university, but I think for many people, uh, especially creatives, I, I, I don't think it's needed, especially with the resources that are out today. Like I learned more from your channel, the future than any other like college class I learned. And it was way more applicable, not fluff and, it was actually people that are in places where I wanted to be. I think that's one of the biggest, biggest things is like a lot of these professors or teachers, they, they haven't really done much aside out of outside academia. Um, but there's definitely a place where it just wasn't for me in that position. Mm. Well, it doesn't seem like that decision hurt you any because you started your own company. I believe it's called uh, growth ghosts. And I, I looked at the website. So there's a couple of remarkable things that you claim on the site. One is that you guarantee a minimum of 20,000 organic Twitter followers in 60 days, or you'll do it for free and then get you another 10,000 followers at no extra charge. And then you, when you click on the, uh, see if you qualify, it says you're not taking on any new clients. So you have a busy roster of clients, presumably that's why you can't take on any more. Tell me what it is that if you were taking clients, what is it that you do for your clients? 
Yeah. So I always like to say I pretend to be people on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I do for clients is uh, there's two parts. There's basically writing and distribution. So I create content for different types of people that I want to take on, that I think are interesting. And I create content for them. And then I distribute that content uh, on those social networks with my, my networks of people that I know. So they'll retweet uh, their stuff, their content, all of that. Um, but yeah, basically I get to know the, the client. I get to kind of get a feel for their story, what they want to do, uh, what their goal is with social media. And then I cater the writing toward that and uh, yeah, basically grow them really fast. I had a guarantee before it was like 50,000 followers in 60 days, but that was just too much pressure. I just didn't want to do that again. So I kind of dialed it back. <laughs> yeah. 20,000 still is a lot in 60 yeah. days and yeah. it's remarkable even just that. Um, so can we talk about a little bit about business? Like if you were taking on clients, how much would you charge to be able to do that for 60 days? Yeah. So I've had different offers. So I, I had it where, um, one was 10,000 followers in 90 days. I charged $25,000 for that. Um, that was crazy to me because at the time I just didn't want to take people on. Mm -hmm. So this guy DMs me. He's like, Hey, I want your service. I was like, Oh, I, I mean, I like, I'll refer you to someone else. Like I'm super high tickets. It's, it's just because I, I was like, I, I just don't want to take anyone on right now. It's got a lot of work. Right. He's like, he asked me, he's like, what's high ticket. And the, this is all in the DMs, by the way. This guy never mm -hmm. had a conversation. It's like, oh, $25,000 to get you to, to 10,000 followers. It's just like, okay, screw off. I'll refer you to someone else. And he, and he says, okay, put me on the wait list. I, I was just, I was like, holy mm. shit. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, this is crazy. And I mean, I realized the power of a personal brand and uh, building an audience, but it was like, that's when it really clicked. Like, this guy doesn't even know me. And I mean, he probably knows of me, but I mean, the only reason I, I'm able to do that in the DMs is because, I mean, I've built a brand, I've built the trust, the authority, all of that. And he's willing to pay me that, that amount of money. Um, ended up working with him, got him to 10,000 followers in two days. He's at 65,000 followers in like 30 days. It was stupid. Um, but so yeah, I've charged 25,000 for that. Um, I've also, <laughs> again, like I had some some people reach out because they knew me from Twitter, hopped on a call with them and they wanted my services. Like, no, you just need to do this, this and that. Like, just follow this strategy, do what I said. And they're like, okay, okay. But if we wanted to hire you, how much would it be? <laughs> I was like, $35,000. And they're like, okay. And then after the call, they're like, an hour after the call, like, we want to work with you. Let's do it. Let's like send the invoice. It's like, are you serious? <laughs> like, this is crazy. Um, but typically I do month to month and I'm right now I'm charging seven K a month. Um, and that's just to, like grow their account. No crazy guarantees. Um, but yeah, like and I started out like for context, I started out like charging three K a month, uh, for mm -hmm. ghostwriting. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, I definitely just, I just see what their goals are. It's like, okay, you want to get to this follower amount in this time. I just throw a price out, like whatever. And then if if I feel like I really want to work with them, I'll like lower the price because it's like easier to write for some people than others. Right. Um, but yeah, like it's it's crazy what you can charge when you build a personal brand. Okay. Lot lots for me to ask you about and follow up on. Yeah. The person that you did the thing for twenty five k that you got them the results in two days. You're like, uh, do you are you done for the rest? So you, you kind of got you your goal, or how no, does that work I, then? 
I so I'm such a people pleaser, and I think that comes yeah. from just trying to be liked as a as a kid and all of that. Yeah. But I'm also a big proponent of like over delivering. So like when I reached that that mark, I mean I could have cut it and then stop. Uh, but at the same time, I think you're supposed to cut it. By the way, you're like yeah, I gave it to followers, and you you delivered. You yeah, over delivered. You delivered I, I, in like, uh, what is it? Uh, Fifty eight days faster than you're supposed to. Yeah, it was. It was. He was so mind blown. Right. Uh, it was so cool to see. I really like. I really like him. I, I continue to work with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I was like, let's see how far we can take this. I mean, it's a good case study too, right? You can yeah. leverage that down the line to land more clients, or or if you have a different offer, you can just say, hey, I got I've done this in the past. So that's a huge asset for me to say I've grown someone's. Uh, brand to 60,000 followers plus in 30 days. Like it's absolutely nuts. And that's going to be a huge asset for me when I create other offers down the road. Right. Um, but yeah, like I just went absolute balls to the wall with his content and I wrote a thread every day and uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty crazy. It was, it was cool to see. Mm. Cause it like pushes your boundaries. You're like, Oh, this is what's possible. I can do this. Right. And then yeah, for future offers, like, oh, okay, I can have, I can, let's see how far I can push this. I can probably charge more uh, down the line for some result like this. So, mm. yeah, it was, it was crazy. While we're on this line, it says you're not taking any more clients. How many clients are you actively managing right now? Yeah, right now. So I've been bottlenecked by my, my systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something I've been really working on lately uh, so I can take on more clients. Right now, I think I have seven and we'll probably be upping it to nine real quick because we're onboarding new people it's been crazy i want to get that to around 20 by like within six months but yeah it's it's uh it's definitely intense i'm trying to get out of the agency work i've hired some people to kind of like take my place i've trained them and all that but yeah i see so is this a case that the ghostwriter has a (laughs) ghostwriter i mean Kind of in a way. I mean, I've I definitely I've created all these frameworks and I've trained my main guy Joey Joey Justice um, on how to run everything and uh, do this and do that. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess I kind of do have a ghostwriter. But I also come in and I'm I'm just like double checking, like making sure like the final product. Okay, maybe we need to change the hooks, hooks here and all of that. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of fun. It's like an MLM. <laughs> 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 well, you're going to serve as the function of the editor or the creative director at this point, right? Yeah. Yeah. You exactly. have a system of framework. You, you vet and test people. You do quality control. You're growing a business and it's not just a business of one person anymore. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, now you said something and I need to come back to it. And then we'll, I have more questions about content and how you grow on, on social. But you said that you do two things. You, you ghost write for people and then you deal with distribution. And you said that you send it to a network of people that you know that then also share it. Tell me a little bit about how that works and why that works. Yeah. So big secret a lot of people don't know about. You can pay for retweets. You can pay for IG story shoutouts and all of that. You can go the organic route and you can comment 100 times a day if you want. Um, but like the biggest secret is like secret is you, you just pay people to retweet the, the content. Um, mm-hmm. Like everyone you see on Twitter Typically, like the big creators, they're either trading retweets, they're buying retweets, uh, they're selling retweets, all of that. So like, that's what I mean by distribution is I'm paying people to retweet my client's content uh, because to get that kind of results, like I'm not commenting 20,000 times a day. That's absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, uh, 
that's it, the way I see it. It's like paid ads pretty much, but you're just right. getting shout outs. They're amplifying the message by sharing it with their networks, right? Exactly. I mean, and, and the thing is like, it's not, it's not a ticket to, oh, you're just going to get all these followers. It's like, no, you need the content to be nailed on because otherwise if you have bad content and you get a hundred retweets, it's not going to be appealing. Like people, you need to nail those two aspects and then like vice versa. I mean, you can have the best content in the world, but if no one sees it, it doesn't matter. So right. you need those two elements. Okay. And what what is the cost for this kind of distribution? I've never used anything like this before. So if I wanted to grow my following and somebody who's listening, it's like, okay, I get it. If I believe my content is good, I need help with distribution and more retweets. How do I go about doing this? What does it cost? Yeah, so it ranges. Um, so if you want to get retweets from a more like broad platitude, general motivation account, it's cheaper because you're more of a commodity, uh, don't have as much authority. It's just... And it's kind of like a broad audience, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So you're looking at between 10 to $35 typically for one of those accounts that has 100 to 200, 300,000 followers, mm-hmm. uh, typically like 25. And then when it comes to more authoritative brands, like people that have an audience of a certain niche, like maybe a business niche, it's going to be more expensive because they have a higher quality audience, they have more authority, uh, stuff like that. In that aspect, you're looking probably between how it can range like forty to seventy dollars per retweet, um, and, and that's for probably a hundred to two hundred thousand followers. Uh, when you get to this the stratosphere of five hundred thousand followers, you can charge like crazy, crazy prices on Twitter. Um, Instagram's crazy too. Instagram's even pricier. Um, I'm not too too acquainted with Instagram buying. I've never bought in a a share on Instagram, but mm-hmm. for myself, um, but uh, yeah, I think they're pricier. So a 500,000 follower audience that's niched, what would that cost to retweet? Oh gosh. Um, I would probably say you're probably like $200 a retweet or something. Wow. I would, I'm just ballparking though. I, I know a creator, I think he's got 500,000 followers and he's, he's decently well known. He's charging like six thousand dollars for twenty retweets or thirty retweets. Like it's just nuts. Mm. This is probably the easiest money ever to make once you develop your audience, right? Yes. Because literally, you just don't. Or do they have to say something? No, they don't have to. They just hit a button. I, <laughs> I it blows my mind still to this day. Right. I, like, I just hit a button. I just I just made forty, fifty, sixty dollars. It's like what? It's nuts. Right. Um, maybe I'm working too hard these days. I need to rethink my strategy here. <laughs> exactly. And for people who are like, the creator economy, now followers don't equal dollars. You just heard a way that you just make money right then and there. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let, let's get back in time though, because you're on Twitter, you're learning, you're watching YouTube, you're doing what you're supposed to do. You read books and you're sharing your information. At what point in which you're able to trade on your following for a client who's like, I want you to do what you do for me. How many followers? How old are you? How long ago was this? Yeah, so I started my ghostwriting agency in November of 2021. And within 28 days of launching, I was at 11K a month. Uh, I only had, I think, 5,000 followers at the time. Um, Just absolutely. Because I think that was the inception. Yeah, dude, it was nuts. Um, Holy cow. That was around the start of like before ghostwriting was really well known. I mean, it's still not really well known, but um, 
yeah, I right away I was I was charging three k a month out the gate. Uh, I didn't even promote my landing page. Not to this day, like not even once. Uh, it was just a link in bio. Here's my website. Here's my copy on my landing page, and yeah, I had someone fill out a form, landed them for three k a month, and then I again five k a month, and then again I think another guy three k a month. Um, it was absolutely nuts. It was kind of crazy. It shows the power of you know if you're if you're in the right market, you can charge higher prices and like how you position yourself. Yeah. Um, because if I was just a copywriter, there's no way I would be able to charge that because there's so many other copywriters. But since there's so few ghostwriters, uh, it's just yeah, it's a lot easier. What do you attribute to your success in landing that first client to get them to go to the page and then do a call with you? Before we get into the call and how you handle the sales yourself, what was it? Because 5,000 followers is pretty hard to do on Twitter, but it's not enough to say like, you're the guy, let me give you money. What was it about you? Can you pinpoint anything that triggered someone to like, oh, I need to look into Dakota right now? Yeah, it's actually funny. So I use the website AppSumo a lot. I like it's it's a marketplace for agency owners or market marketers to get softwares and all that. But I bought this this software. And I was a big fan of it. I love it. I, still, I use it to this day. Uh, but it was slowing down my computer a bit. So I messaged the, the founders on Twitter. I said, hey, love the app, all this, blah, blah, blah. I just want to let you guys know that this is what I'm experiencing. I don't know if it's my side or your side. And that was it. I wasn't trying to land them as a client or anything. I, they got back to me like, oh, okay, cool, cool. But I guess they checked on my profile and they saw my landing page and they filled out my form. So oh my said, God. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> right on. Like within a week of launching my business. So yeah, that's that's kind of how I got, I got my first client in the door. Um, <laughs> I definitely DM'd. Man, I was DMing these really big names on YouTube and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to shoot my shot, like cold DMs right. and cold emails and all that. But no, nothing came to fruition out of that. But yeah, it was funny. I wasn't even trying to land a client or that client. And uh, they filled out my form. It was, it was pretty funny. Wow, that's pretty wild. Okay, so you're on the call. Presumably selling a creative service you've not been able to charge other people for. Yeah. How does the sales call go down that you can land a client? Man, that was so funny. I, I, so I work at coffee shops a lot. I just love going to coffee shops and it's kind of my, my happy place. But I took the sales call in the middle of a Starbucks with this microphone, super unprofessional. And I, I took the sales call. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I was so nervous. Like I get so nervous on sales or used to on sales calls. And basically I just asked questions, like just try to get a good idea and all of that, I was just, I don't know what to say. Like, I'm just going to ask questions and get a good idea and all of that. And uh, yeah, basically pitched my service and just said, so I asked him all these questions to get a good idea yeah. of his situation. And then I was like, okay, like, I feel like I understand everything. Uh, do you want me to like run you through what I do? Probably said it really nervously, but yeah, ran him through my process. And then I was like, and the price is $3,000 per month. And I shut up, I shut up. And he's like, okay, uh, so I'm going to talk to my business partner and uh, get back to you. And like, I know that's not a good sign. I knew it in my head, but I was just too scared to kind of like push him for the sale. Uh, so I was like, okay, yeah, that's cool. That's cool, man. Uh, but turns out he actually needed to talk to his business partner. <laughs> and then they came back to me like two days later, like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, oh, sweet. So uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was, that was cool. Um, was super nervous. So it wasn't just a story. That was 
he really needed to talk to his business yeah, he partner because yeah, he, he wanted to move forward. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the first man, first dozen sales calls were so nerve wracking for me. Right. But I it, again, like I just leaned into that discomfort, and I knew like, oh, okay, this is like I'm feeling the, these nerves, and it's a sign I need to do this. Like I need yeah. to lean into this because in order to become the person I want to become, I need to develop these quality traits, and I know taking these actions are the way to get that. Uh, so I just leaned into it. Time for a quick break, but we'll be right back. Psst. Hey, I have a secret. Uh-huh. I use secret whole body deodorant because more than just my armpits stink. Uh-huh. Can I use it where my bra rubs under my... Oh, <laughs> yeah. And what about down there? You know, my... Totally. Four out of five gynecologists would recommend it. So I tried it, and now I get 72 hours of freshness. From my pits to my... Ooh, I love that it's a spray. Me too. And it comes in sticks and creams too. Go get your secret whole body deodorant. Hey y'all, Marce Martin here with a little Tampax story. One time I went on vacation in the Bahamas with some friends, and of course I got my period. I didn't want anything to stop me from living my best life on my trip. So I was like, why not be brave and try Tampax? Before that, I really just thought tampons were for adults, and I definitely thought they'd be uncomfortable. Guess what, y'all? They really aren't. It might take a few tries, but once it's in right, you shouldn't feel it, which is great. For a better way to period, just add Tampax. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to our conversation. Writing for yourself is one thing. And for some people, that's the biggest challenge they have to overcome. But writing for someone else, when you said you have to pretend to be someone else and that's what you do for a living, tell me about your process. Uh, what, what, what do you do to get in someone's head and what is it you're looking for to be able to mine so that you can start to become like them, but more interesting? Because obviously if they just do them, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, so with each client, I hop on like a one hour call with them. And what I'm mainly looking for is, okay, like what are the vibes of this person? Are they super serious? Are they playful are they funny uh maybe they have a certain pattern of speech where they're like gentlemen or they say these things like oh hey guys or like stuff like that so i look Mm -hmm. for stuff like that and the biggest thing that has helped me is talking about their story because when you talk when they start talking about their story and things they've done you get you get a better sense of their personality like me talking on this this podcast you probably got a better sense of my personality because of the things I've, some of the stuff I've shared. Uh, so that's a huge thing is talking about people's story. Um, and that also gives me content to write, but I just get a really good sense of who this person is, what are their values, stuff like that. And then from there, like it's, I don't have this crazy process. I was just like, okay. Um, 
he's kind of more serious, so I'm going to write in this tone. And then what I found, at least, by writing their story, that kind of does the heavy lifting for you. I mean, because people, if you write in a certain tone and you write their story, I think people fill in the blanks about the narrative or the way the person's saying it. And so I, I put less emphasis on, oh, I got to nail like this person's like pattern of speech, like to the T and more focus on their story, their, their tonality in a sense, their personality a little bit um, and focus on that. But yeah, it just, I, th- I think a lot of people overcomplicate it. And they're like, oh, I just need to nail it to the T and all I need to study them day in and day out. I haven't run into the issue where people think, oh, this isn't that person. Uh, it's it's mainly just, okay, write their story. What's their main vibe? Is it serious, funny, or playful, all that? Maybe do they got a certain pattern of speech where they say gentlemen or whatever, like they talk in a certain way. So, right. um, yeah. A lot of people say, I don't have a story. I'm not, I don't have an interesting thing. And so when you say, I'm going to tell your story, what, what is it that, what kind of patterns have you seen that make for compelling stories? I, I love mm-hmm. to teach stories and talk about stories. So I'm really curious about what you do as, as a ghostwriter. Yeah. So one of the, I think the most important part is all stories revolve around change. It's all great stories from my perspective. So let's say how I started from socially anxious and ended up confident or I started out broke and I ended up wealthy. It's like you want to look at the, the where you're at now and then that gives you a good idea where to start. So usually most great stories are about transformation. Uh, so if you see like at the any good movie, like, OK, wh- where are they starting? Like, who is this person? Maybe they're a naive boy that doesn't value uh the doesn't value hard work and then at the end of this end of the story okay now they're this more mature person they understand the value of hard work and they've evolved in all this way it it creates that arc you know you start here arc okay i learned this it's the hero's journey kind of thing uh so that's the biggest thing i i always look for is like okay what's the worst spot you were in like what i give them lists like what are some of the biggest mistakes you've made in life or biggest uh pitfalls like what's your worst moments and then i get them to talk about it and then how they overcame that it's overcoming that struggle that really resonates with people so maybe people don't resonate with uh, my story like father smoking crack and not being there but they they resonate with the the struggle of oh my father wasn't wasn't emotionally available for me and it's, it's that struggle people relate with emotions and overcoming struggles so if you can target that Sure, maybe not the exact context they won't relate to, but the the feeling of it, they do. So the main thing is transformation. Always want to focus on transformation. I started here, I went there. And when you find that story and you're able to tell it across, uh, I assume, some kind of thread on Twitter, what else are you writing about then? Like how do, I mean, now I'm enrolled in your story. Uh, Does it have to be an exchange of values? Because when you write, you write about here's, 40 things that I learned that you won't learn in college, or here's how you write better and get more engagement. Here's how you get a lot of people to look at your, whatever it is. So you're exchanging value for their time and attention in your framework. So far, it's like we get the tone of voice, the patterns of speech and their values and their story. What is the next pieces of content revolving around? Yeah. So I look at, I look at it through the lens of like three pillars. So people either want to be validated 
they want to be validated. So you can like validate their opinions or you tell them it's okay to be like this or uh, confirmation bias. You can do stuff like that. Uh, they want to be educated. So that'd be more value. You know, this is how you do X, Y, and Z. Uh, so validated, educated, or they want to be entertained. So that could be memes. But like those are the three pillars I kind of think of it just to simplify it. And mm-hmm. I just kind of rotate it between that. And like the way I think of it is, okay, so you got... Uh, to go into it even further. So you got personal content. So that's your stories. That's your opinions, your worldview, stuff like that. So that's your personal, the personal pillar. And then you have authority, which is more of the educate, the value stuff. This is how you do X, Y, Z. It can even be like how I did big achievement step by step. So it's kind of like a personal and an authority. So you can see how you mix the two. Um, and then there's the growth content. That's more of the general broad stuff that maybe like 10 Google Chrome extensions that you'll love or stuff like, I don't know, like the more general stuff that gets eyes on your account, but mix, mixing those three, the personal authority, the growth content, and you just kind of rotate those. I feel like that's what gives you the best bang for your buck because you're, you're also developing a relationship with your audience through the, the personal you're giving them the value, which is raising your authority. And then you have the growth content that mainly gets eyes on your account. Uh, so if you just think of it through that lens and just rotate, then I think you're good. Like me personally, I think you need to be valued. Like For someone to value you, you need to give value. So for me, I, I try to write one actionable piece of advice every day. Aside from that, I write about whatever it's it's that's my basic framework i like to keep things simple because i think it scales better uh so it's like okay one piece of actual advice every day i can do mm-hmm. that everything else whatever so the the growth piece is kind of like the candy because it's like everybody likes candy and you'll come in for that and then the values uh when in terms of education that's how you build your authority because ultimately you you need followers who are interested in what it is that you can help them solve right and, and then your story in, in validating them, it's like you said, it's affirming them. Uh, maybe it's a little bit of confirmation bias. Like it's okay to fail because sometimes we hit that point. It's like, we've all failed. Okay, I get it. I feel seen and heard. And you're rotating between these three pieces of content. Are you able to ghostwrite based on just one hour interview? Is that all it takes? Yeah. So I try to do once a month with clients, yeah. um, but I can also do it without interview. So um, I just pretty much need, okay, what are the topics you want to write about? So if I have a fitness account and I'm like, I want to talk about productivity. I want to talk about sleep, blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, I have all these content pillars. Now I'll just do research and, um, produce content on that. Cause I, I, I have my frameworks, my writing frameworks I follow. So I just need the ideas in there. And then I just apply the frameworks and mm-hmm. Bob's your uncle. But uh, yeah, there's some clients I, I just never hop on a call with them. I'm just like, okay, I just know what this person wants stuff written about and I'll write that. I mean, sure, I can't really write much personal stuff about them in that case if I can't interview them. Um, I mean, that's definitely not needed. It's definitely a great thing to have if you want to build a strong personal brand is sharing your story. Uh, but some people, they just don't care. They, they kind of see it more as a business rather than having a mission with their personal brand. That's totally fine. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you if you want to really impact people's lives and really move them emotionally, I think you do need to talk about your story. Uh, and I think that will really, that creates a community, not a following. I think you're building a brand, mm-hmm. not a following. 
and sharing your story is huge for that. Mm. So what you shared with me was pretty insightful because uh, for a long time, I'm just mostly focused on the education part. I just want to give value. I don't want to talk about myself. I don't want to tell my story. And then there was this barrier that I was building between who I am as a human being and the content that I create. So I incorporate the stories. And then I'm doing more content these days about affirming and validating, saying, you know, we all we all suck. We all have low points. We all fumble. We all fall. And to, to kind of just let people know that we're all human and it's this human experience that we're living through. The thing I don't do enough enough of is this growth content and now I know why my account is not growing. Dakota, you're a genius. Uh, you don't do growth content. That's why you're not growing. Yeah. I get it. Because <laughs> that's simple. Right? Just go viral, right? Yeah, just go viral. So that's, you know, it's like you, uh, and, and you know, we're all guilty of this. We'll see something in our feed. It's kind of funny. It's not going to change our life, but it's just like, okay, it's, I get it. And you see like it's got 4,000 likes or, or retweets or whatever. And like, okay, we, we need to have the candy from time to time if we want to grow, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like I think about the mission. Okay. What am I trying to do here? And then, I mean, a lot of people to give them what they need to hear, you need to give them what they want to hear. And that's how you get like the way I see Twitter or social media, it's, it's top of funnel. So a lot of the stuff I write is more basic. I mean, I definitely do the personal and authority stuff, but you need to get people into your ecosystem. And once you have them in your ecosystem, that's when you can start raising their level of awareness. It's, it's like marketing, right? Uh, you start talking about these concepts and introducing them to different stuff because you just start talking about, oh, like you need to do X, Y, Z and they're getting overwhelmed. Like, what is this? I don't even know. So you slowly right. bring them in. Maybe you bring them into your newsletter where you can talk to them a bit more intimately or you get them, funnel them to your podcast where you can go more in depth with stuff. But it all starts with that like top of funnel where you just bring them in first and it's like, okay, like kind of introduce them to this. And then you can really start to impact them in my opinion, but. That makes a lot of sense when you say it like that. What is the greatest stretch you've had to make in terms of pretending to be someone else? Look, you, you look at you and you say, this guy goes to the gym. So a health fitness person, there's not much of a stretch there. It's like what you do and are interested in anyways. Tell me an account that you've written for that is so not you. So I can see where you take this and then give me some examples of telling their story or how you were able to 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 take a piece of content that is broad but make it in their tone of voice. Yeah, you know, there's definitely um I relate to a lot of my clients in like different aspects. Um one notable one is like uh, a a award-winning male porn star. <laughs> <laughs> was not oh, wait, like- wait, hold on. This is a big stretch, right? <laughs> I mean, I got my OnlyFans and subscribed yeah. for a month. Um I mean, like, there's definitely like like stuff like that, like just kind of outlandish. I kind of, I I relate to his personality in some ways. I and mean, I'm not posting like any not safe for work content. It's like self improvement yeah. stuff. But I kind of got definitely got to lean into like certain aspects of my personality and beliefs and kind of exaggerate it in a, a lot of ways for some people. Um, I've I've written for ecom people in the past, and I I hate I stop working with them because it's just so bland. <laughs> And I, like, I don't know, like, if you can tell, like, I'm more like, I don't know, I just, I like being more out there and like saying more interesting things other than just bland e-com stuff. Um, like, there's not too many clients, I'd say it's been a crazy stretch. Um, it's mainly just leaning into or exaggerating certain parts of me. So do you, do you take that as a, 
like a badge of honor that I could pretend to be something I'm totally not? Or do you feel like that's not, that, that that's a poor fit for you and you shouldn't be doing that? Um, well, like for, for so many years, I pretended to be someone that I wasn't. So I, I felt like an imposter uh, and I pretended to be confident in a lot of ways and just like that. So in, in a sense, it's kind of natural. It sounds bad to say, but um, but I also recognize like, I don't know everything and I could be completely wrong with my perspectives on the world. And who am I to say, oh, your perspective is wrong. So it's it's my job as a writer to best convey that person's perspective regardless of what I believe. And I want nothing but the best for my clients. Like I want to over deliver and I believe they, they have the right to tell people what they believe. And again, like I, my biggest value is freedom. I'm so open to everyone's different perspectives. I may not agree with them, but I think everyone has their right. Um, and their, their freedom to try to impact or change the world in how they see fit, as long as it's not hurting anybody or, or bringing anyone down. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I, I am, I, I, I do like my ability to kind of morph myself into these different positions, but I, I'm good at compartmentalizing. Uh, it's like, okay, I believe this, but I got to write in this character. It's kind of like actors, you know? Yeah. I wrote that word acting down because you said pretend and some people I don't like that term, but that's what actors do. Yeah. Exactly. They embody the person and they leave themselves aside. They become very emotionally vulnerable. And then they react to what's going on, right? And that's what you are able to do. Um, I want to ask you this question. And, and, and I think it was Blair Enns who said this. He said that all strategy is autobiographical. We recommend people do things that have worked for us. So this worked for us and therefore it might work for you. Who knows? So what is the correlation between physical fitness and health and success? Oh, man. This is... So when I first started working out, I was running away from the person that I, I currently was. I, was. I was fat. I was very socially anxious. I didn't like myself. And so that motivated me to go to the gym. And I, I had that deep pain. And so I went hard at the gym. I I worked out till I threw up. I was going to YMCA boot camps. And I it was crazy. I, it was, I just went balls to the wall and all the time. And I didn't see results for... Like the first few months, really, I just knew, like, I'm just going to do this. I don't know where this is going to lead. I just need to take some kind of action and just go hard at this. So I was probably like five, six months in. And I remember looking in the mirror one day and it was like around my stomach. I saw some definition. And I was so blown away. I, I legit just I looked in the mirror for a good 20 minutes, like just flexing, like, yeah, like no big deal, like all that stuff. I was so proud of myself. And that's when it really formed a new belief in me. It's like, okay, if I put in all these hours of work just to get 1% better, like that's, that's huge. Like that just meant the world to me. And, and it formed a new belief for me. It's like, if you put in all these hours of work just to get 1% better, I mean, that's, that's huge. And it's, and it showed me, okay, you got to have a long-term vision and play the long game. Um, if you really want to be successful, because so many people, they just quit after a week or two. And that's why they don't see results because they're, they're just not consistent. They just go really intense and then just stop because they don't see results. But if you can have that longer term vision and really just put in the work and sure, maybe it's a 1% difference, but it's, it's a difference and you're moving towards the person you want to become. And that's applicable to all areas of life. That's, 
that's a hundred percent like that shaped my whole my whole life was just having that moment where it's like oh my god like okay if i put in all these hours and to get this result like let's let's keep going with this and then it just compounds over time it's the same with twitter like first three months i only grew to 750 followers and that's when i just took a step back it's like oh okay like this isn't that good um but i'm gonna keep trying and figuring this out and then that's when i just kind of took a step back changed my account to a writing account and then within 40 days i was at a thousand followers so if i didn't if i just gave up like oh i'm just not meant for twitter uh then I, like i wouldn't be here today like, twitter is for my whole like business and most of my life right now so it's just having that ability to i mean just being consistent and being consistent at the right thing too a lot of people they'll they're they, maybe they're consistent but they don't use the feedback they're getting from their environment to change things and then they're just hitting their head at a wall uh but yeah, like fitness definitely formed my foundations for a lot of things. Wonderful. I mean, uh, just before I forget, if people don't follow you on Instagram, then they'll know exactly what you're talking about, how Twitter is the foundation of your social yeah. existence and your business. Because yeah. you essentially just take your tweets, screen capture them, <laughs> and string them together to make a carousel on Instagram. And I believe you have more followers on Instagram than you do on Twitter, right? Yeah, that was nuts. So you're getting way more love on Instagram than you are on Twitter, yeah. I, yeah. it blew my mind how fast you can grow on Instagram. It was crazy. I mean, less so now, but it was nuts. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, your health, basically what you put in your body and how you spend your energy are one of the few things you can actually control in this world. I think all the other controls an illusion. And you're saying if you put in the work, if it's just 1% improvement, I don't know if you've seen this math formula before, but they take one and they improve it by 1%. So it's 1.01. And they take it to the 365th power and it equals some big number. And like, isn't that amazing? And like the opposite is true too. If you do 1% less, then it's 0.9, whatever, 99 or whatever it is. And to the 365th power, and you see that it's it's diminished and it's a power of just showing up every day, just looking for that small improvement. And before you know it, you've got abs, then you've got muscles, then you have a whole new life and a new outlook, right? You're able to rebuild yourself. And I think I think there is some correlation here between really successful high net worth people and how they take care of their, this mortal coil, their frame. You know, Jeff Bezos was like a really nerdy dude, became the world's richest man for a period of time. Then there's pictures of him emerging. It's like the guy's yoked walking around. It's ridiculous. And Dana White recently uh, was just spreading the rounds on the inter- internet about when he took off his shirt and he's like, oh my God, I thought he was a fat dude, but he's really muscular under all that. Yeah. So there's this thing about performance, uh, discipline, motivation, playing the long game. So if anybody's looking to reinvent their life, start with the things you can control. It'll teach you a lot about yourself and probably like what you're capable of. Okay. I got two more questions. They're, they're a little bit more tactical because we heard your story. We, we were, were inspired and we've, we even have business models now to think about that we weren't aware <laughs> yeah. of before. So you're really good at writing copy. What are five things that people need to do to avoid writing really crappy copy? Yeah. So first off, you need to simplify. So a lot of people, they want to try to sound smart. I think college and school does a bad job at encouraging people. But I mean, do you want to replace... Like any big words, like nonplussed, I mean, that means confused. Like you just say confused, not nonplussed. Say use, not utilize. Like use simple language. 
and ideally use language that a fifth grader below could understand. And the way you can use that is use a software like my favorite is Pro Writing Aid. You can analyze the grade level of your writing. There's also the Hemingway app. Uh, so I'd use those to get that feedback and just write at a simple and clear manner because if people are confused, they're not going to understand your message and they're just going to, their attention spans will go on to the next TikTok or tweet or whatever. So that's very, very crucial. Uh, storytelling, using stories in your writing because people are attracted. They're, they're emotionally moved by stories and it, it, it resonates with people a lot more when you can present information with stories because if people wanted information, they'd Google, Google stuff. That's why I think storytelling is like one of the most powerful tools you can use. That's something I'm starting to like dive more into. Um, let's see what else, uh, shortening a lot of your sentences or paragraphs. I mean, we, we, again, with school, they tell you, you need 3000 words minimum. Uh, I mean, you're competing with attention today. It's like, if you're a creator, if I'm on Twitter and I see all this text, it's like, oh no, that's too much effort. Let's go on to the next to, to get my dopamine hit. So you need to really shorten your sentences, your your content, uh, without taking away from the message. Like cut whatever doesn't move your message forward. Um, using the words you and your, like talking to your reader, not at your reader. So, hey, people, like, do you want uh, to lose weight? Or like, you, instead, you could say, hey, are you looking to lose weight? See, so, you know, it's way more engaging when you're talking to someone, not at them like it's a lecture. How about this? How, how powerful is the active voice versus the passive voice? Yeah, so I find it more engaging to use active. But there's also time, like people like to shit on passive voice. But there is mm -hmm. a place with passive voice. So if uh, someone's a victim of something, if you use passive voice, then it's more impactful because it just feels like it's happening to somebody opposed to them doing something. So that's the, I think the one exception. So like, can you find an example where that's like really clear? Yeah. Like the boy ate the apple. So that's active voice because the boy is performing the action uh, instead of the apple was eaten by the boy. Um, so there, there's, if you go passive, the apple was eaten by the boy. Then, I mean, it's longer, um, it's harder to visualize too, because when you look at somebody, uh, you typically see the person taking the action, not the action being performed by the person. Um, it's, 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 yeah, it's a, it's a hard rule to kind of conceptualize, yeah. <laughs> but like, that's, yeah, it's like, yeah, like that. Okay. Maybe, maybe we don't use that one as an example, yeah, but that yeah, was a hard yeah. one. Give me another fifth one. <laughs> Give me like the no brainer. Here we go. Yeah. You could, um, use numbers, use numbers in your writing. Uh, so that's what you, it's a huge one. So people are attracted to numbers, uh, specifically odd numbers like three, seven, uh, five. Uh, I forget the reasoning behind that, but use numbers because say if I'm on Twitter and I'm scrolling and I see all this text, but if I see a number, that's going to stand out. Same with like a dollar sign or a percentage sign. Uh, so kind of, it's like a pattern disrupt. So if you can do mm -hmm. that, um, that's huge. I use numbers in pretty much all my headlines and, uh, yeah, there's so many, but yeah. Oh, and get, get really good at capturing attention. Get really good at, at headlines. That's like probably number one is get really good at headlines because if they don't, if you can't capture attention, you're just done. If they don't read your first line, they won't read your last line or your second line. So you really need to study headlines. And there's, I'd study the great copywriters uh, and go that route. But yeah. Okay. 
so that's kind of like the example is 23 sentences that'll improve your writing more than 12 years of English class. You used it yeah. twice. It was such a good rule. You, you went, you double dipped on that one. I've used it multiple times. I've used marketing, all that. I, I, okay. Let me right. break this down. Okay. So okay. I have this formula for writing viral, viral headlines. Um, it's been a while since I've recited it, but you want to make the benefit as big as possible. So, uh, improve your writing more than 12 years of, or make you. So I had one that was like 47 sentences. that will make you more money than a four year marketing degree. So right. big benefit is make you more money than a four year degree. Uh, you want the effort to seem really low. So 47 sentences, that effort's so low, like, Oh, I just got to read 47 sentences to get this, this big, uh, benefit and then relevant. So it has to be relevant to your audience. So if I start talking about basketball, to an audience full of writers, they're not going to care. So you have to make sure your content matches your audience. And then, oh, and then reach. You just need to distribute the content. So you need to get eyes on it because if you have the best content in the world and no one reads it, it doesn't matter. Right. So you need those like four elements. So like make the benefit huge, make the perceived effort really low, um, make sure it's relevant to your audience, and then uh, make sure you have good reach slash distribution. So without seeing the distribution, your example, 47 sentences that'll make you more money than for your marketing degree puts all those principles in play. The big benefit, make a lot of money. Uh, the low effort is 47 sentences relative to four-year market degree. And relevant is people who are looking to study marketing are just looking to make money. So it's just, it's tied together, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm targeting Perfect. a benefit, right? Like I'm not going to, like making money is the benefit um, opposed to like, here are 47 marketing tips. Like it's more appealing to say, oh, it'll, it'll make you more money. So you always want to look at, okay, what's the impact of this? What's the impact of um, whatever you're talking about and think about the end result? Because at the end of the day, that's what people want is the benefit. They don't want to, I don't know, they don't want to um, get fit. They want to increase their status or they want to become more confident or they want to get more energy, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last question for you, Dakota. Thanks for doing this with Ready. me. Yes. Here we go. This one should be an easy for you. Here we go. What are three books someone can read to learn to write better, to be a better storyteller? And then why? Your three easy. favorite books if I want to improve writing. I knew it was like throwing yeah. you a softball. I just did Here a reel go. on this. Uh, so my number one favorite book is Writing Tools by Roy Peter Clark. That one, there's a lot of writing books, but that one I think just nails it on the head uh, with how it explains different rules. It teaches you how to cut the fluff, uh, teaches you different rules, like uh, rules, like how to structure your writing in an engaging way. Uh, it just, it's, it's a masterclass. I would highly suggest just writing in general. That book is amazing, uh, for storytelling, uh, story worthy by Matthew Dix. I'm re-listening to it right now. That is absolutely amazing for showing you the theory of storytelling, but also giving you the tools of how to apply it and how to think about it. So that's amazing. And then if you want to go more copywriting and learn the psychology behind writing, advertising is absolutely great, a great beginner book. And I mean, covers like pretty much most of what you need to know and gives you a great overview of like why people do things and so much actionable stuff in there that I incorporate in all my tweets and writing. Uh, so I think if you read those three books, you'll, you'll learn a lot. You'll, you'll, you'll be like 80% there. Fantastic. Well, it's really fun having this conversation with you. Uh, for people who are intrigued by this young person who's got all these ideas about writing, who's been able to do a whole bunch of different things in a relatively short amount of time, 
how do people find out more about you? Since you're not taking more clients, you mentioned you're trying to get out of the agency work. So there must be something else you're thinking about. Yeah, I'm actually working on a done with you offer. So instead of doing the work for people, I'm going to just do it with them, give them all the everything I know and just grow them like crazy that way. Um, but yeah, I'm still working on that, uh, but I will. Is that, a, is that like a course or something? No, I want to do, I want to really get people results. So I'm going to actually like have a, it's going to be a group where like I'm going to actually see. hop on calls with people, maybe a course mm-hmm. down the line. Uh, but okay. right now I just want to really like find out people's pain points and struggles and all that and really help them and get great results for them. Uh, and I will still have the agency. It's just like, I won't be as involved, but we'll still have right. that going. Uh, but yeah, I'm on Twitter at wrongs to write, like you're writing W R I T E. And then I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm changing my username cause people are getting scammed. So I'm, I, I'm buying a username. Uh, it will be at D K O T A. Um, so uh, that will be my Instagram when this gets aired, I imagine. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate you having me. This is this is actually really surreal for me to, to like be on this podcast. I, I really appreciate all the content you put out and I still consume your content. So really appreciate how you've been paving the way for a lot of creators. Well, thanks so much. I'm Dakota Robertson and you are listening to The Future. Thanks for joining us this time. If you haven't already, subscribe to our show on your favorite podcasting app and get a new insightful episode from us every week. The Future Podcast is hosted by Chris Doe and produced by me, Greg Gunn. Thank you to Anthony Barrow for editing and mixing this episode. And thank you to Adam Sanborn for our intro music. If you enjoyed this episode, then do us a favor by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts. It'll help us grow the show and make future episodes that much better. Have a question for Chris or me? Head over to thefuture.com slash heychris and ask away. We read every submission and we just might answer yours in a later episode. If you'd like to support the show and invest in yourself while you're at it, visit thefuture.com. You'll find video courses, digital products, and a bunch of helpful resources about design and creative business. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.